I'm a zombie! I've been bitten! You're listening to the Survival Podcast for zombie nerds everywhere. Zombies Ate My Podcast. Hello and welcome to Zombies Ate My Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Murphy, and joining me, as always, is the busy zombie lord, Lou Page. How's it going, Lou? I'm ready to go to Canada, Ryan. I'm ready to go to Canada. Oh, yes. Uh, And yes, we are. Well, I'm in Canada. Lou's ready to go to Canada because we are talking about a very Canadian zombie film, Pawnee Pool. Uh, And we're going to go all in on that discussion in just a little bit. But um, yeah, really looking forward to that. But before we do, uh, it is Extra Lifetime. And actually, that's where our Pawnee Pool movie uh, has come from, because we already covered Pawnee Pool seven years ago. Um, it was uh, a fun discussion then. I, I thought of like clipping out the start of that conversation, but uh, I did not get around to that. But I do have clips from Pawnee Pool to play later on in the show. So look forward to that. But Yes, it's for Extra Lifetime. Uh, if you donate $25, you can get one movie suggestion, one zombie movie suggestion. $50 ups that to three zombie movie suggestions, and you can visit bit.ly slash Extra Life Ryan to donate. Uh, we have a few donations that have come in, and we went over these last episode, but for today, um, Adam, who suggested Pool, that's what we're going to be covering later on. And the second was from Molly, who said Ryan's Choice, which I believe I'm going to put forward Peninsula, the sequel to Train to Busan. Um, I just feel bad that we haven't, I haven't watched it yet. I, Lou, have you, did you end up watching it? I've, I've, I've watched about the first third of it, but I was doing something else at the time and it was requiring way more focus than I was able to give it. So I paused and I haven't gone back. It is definitely very, what I've seen so far, it is very different than Train to Busan. And that was some of the feedback that I heard. So I'm I'm looking forward to checking it out. And um, just based on some of the scheduling we've done, that's probably likely to happen uh, in December, but before the end of the year. Uh, but obviously, plans can change. And um, if you're looking for help with your zombie movie recommendation, uh, Lou, what do you got for me this time? What what do you what do you feel like uh, throwing you know, out there? You, you, you know, Ryan, you did not prep me for this. No, but it it is in the notes, and you said this last time, so I I, I feel no guilt here. We could always do Beyond Reanimator. Oh gosh, <laughs> yeah, we could always do that. Did I make you do Bride yet? Bride of Reanimator. I think we did the first Reanimator, and that's it. Is with the weird oh, cat, I, right? I, yeah, I haven't made you do re- the second Reanimator, Bride of Reanimator. No, no, you did not. Oh, oh, they they they, they, they do that. We're in for a good time. All right. Well, there you you're go. Gonna, you're going li- to you're going to literally just go, Lily, what did you make me watch? Well, that's that's half the fun of uh, Extra Lifetime is that it allows folks to donate to a great cause. 100 percent goes to Sick Kids Foundation out of Toronto, a children's miracle network hospital. And uh, yeah, 25 bucks for one movie suggestion, 50 dollars for three movie suggestions. And um, we'll be covering those as soon as we can and likely into 2023 as well. So there's no cap on that. Um, you don't have to, to worry about running out of slots, but obviously if you donate early, we will 
we will put your film in the queue. So bit.ly slash extra life Ryan. Uh, next, we're going to move into uh, we're going to move into the news. Has completely devastated over 150 of the world's major regions and then is spreading rapidly. So, Lou, uh, when it comes to video games and, um, well, when it comes to video games and zombies, uh, we had a rule on the show, I think maybe a couple of years ago, uh, where I kept putting in stories about Call of Duty zombies. And we had a bit of a, a chat live uh, during the podcast, like, why do, none of us play this? It's, there's always a zombies mode. Um, why do we keep bringing up these stories? Like, the zombies mode exists, but we, we don't play it. And uh, it's it's not really zombie news anymore because it's just always, it's always, it's always happening. If you try to, like, if you're trying to prep for the show, uh, honestly, when you search zombies and then the news tab, most of it is call of duty zombies so it's very hard to find stories but i don't think fortnite is going to join the call of duty uh, uh bucket here because i i really do enjoy the guest characters in fortnite even though i don't play fortnite but um how do you feel lou about ash from evil dead joining fortnite for halloween this year it won't make me want to play fortnite but it might make me watch somebody stream it so i can go oh that's neat and then i can go do something else yeah yeah, but here's the thing, like, and I've said this before, I think it was when they were adapting some of the Resident Evil characters. Um, I was just really impressed with the, like, when they started building Fortnite, uh, obviously it was a game we got access to early because it was a survival game. It was a, a co-op game. Is that, is that even, is the survival game thing still exist or is that gone? I don't, I think it's still there, but honestly, if they removed Nobody it. plays it. No, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I I believe it's still there as like you can access it, but it's not it's not being worked on. It's maybe being maintained, but I don't think it's being actively updated. That's a great question uh, to look into because it was zombies like you were building bases and defending against uh, uh, hordes of zombies that were coming uh, to try to eat your core or something. I, I can't really remember. Um but we played it, and and I, I again like my point being like when they built this game, they did not build it in the mindset of like we're gonna have a bunch of cameo characters with Captain America and Kratos and Master Chief. Like they just built this game, and the design of that game is so solid that like any guest character they throw at it looks awesome. Like Ash looks great. All the Resident Evil characters looked great. Like Kratos, when they adapted Kratos, I was like, how do you do that? Like, that's such a, a a unique character. And then they brought it into Fortnite and they absolutely nailed it. Like, it's such a solid design, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Uh, speaking of Resident Evil, there was also a Resident Evil showcase uh, that took place uh, last week. And uh, not a lot of updates, honestly. These are mostly updates on existing games we already knew about. But um, Resident Evil 4 got a pre-order trailer. It's launching on March 24th of next year. We knew its release date. But uh, you can also pre-order and get a deluxe edition, uh, which includes a bunch of alternate costumes for your characters, um, some different weapons, and 
it's a deluxe edition, a digital deluxe edition that's going to get you stuff that you probably uh, don't need to enjoy the game, but it's there if you want it. Um, Lou, are you picking up Resident Evil 4 Remake? I'm I'm probably going to at some point. I don't think I'm going to run right out and do it day one, but I probably will get it shortly after. I, I definitely want to see some reviews because what I've seen looks cool, but I told you, I think I've said it on the show before, I tried replaying that game recently, like in the last year. And the controls were wonkier than I remember them being. And uh, I I was like, oh, there's some jank here. I don't remember. Maybe it's because I've played better games at this point. So I'm not going to run right out. But yeah, I mean, obviously, this remake is still in line with what they've done with two and three. And you like those control mechanisms, right? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a safe bet that this will fall in line right with with the work they've done with two and three but this is a fully priced title it's uh it's going to be 80 dollars here in, in canada as co- in comparison to i think that the other two remakes launched at a, a a discounted price in terms of like it wasn't a full uh price title so that's a big difference here um at least from what i can see uh because they are they are remaking they're still they they're doing a lot of work here and i feel like resident evil 4 outside of six was probably one of the biggest and well-received Resident Evil games that that had come out to date, right? Um, yeah, I th- I feel like it is the long like the longest one. It's it's the biggest one, but um, I'm just looking it up here. Like Resident Evil, what 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 is what is how long to beat say? So you know, Resident Evil about eleven and a half hours. Uh, Resident Evil two eight and a half. Resident Evil four fifteen and a half. And according to this. That is, yeah, about the highest outside of Resident Evil 6, which is 21 hours. But uh, that's 21 hours you're not going to get back. So I do not recommend doing that. Um, but yeah, it's it, it'll be available on Xbox, uh, Steam, PlayStation. Um, and it's only going to be available on the PlayStation 4 in terms of uh, the previous generation of consoles. But there is a free upgrade path to the PS5. Uh, they also had a launch trailer for Resident Evil Reverse. So that's the multiplayer game that they um, pulled back from release. It was supposed to come out with Village. It's included with Village. It's the only way to get it is to buy Resident Evil Village. Um, it's a, it's, you know what? It's a multiplayer game. It looks, it honestly looks very Call of Duty z- Zombies-ish, to be honest, which is not like necessarily making me want to go out and buy Village and play it, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, I don't know if you watched the trailer, but it really felt like they were going for the Call of Duty Zombies vibe. It 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 does, and I don't know if that's I don't know if that's going to work for them. I still yeah. think that Resident Evil doing a multiplayer mode or, or a multiplayer game in any way, shape, or form is them chasing an audience that doesn't exist. Yeah, and and I mean like you know capcom has done some interesting things with their uh dead by daylight chapters in terms of chasing a, a multiplayer audience that does exist because like that's a very popular game and they they thrive on um branded content like bringing in uh, other brands similar to fortnite and i think they've done a really good job at bringing in resident evil and it's been well received um I'd rather see, and we have seen attention gone to to that effort. So it's not like Reverse is taking away from other, you know, Resident Evil possibilities. But it, I don't think this is for us. And as you said, I I agree. I don't really know who it's for because this is 
did they have they had one with three and did they have one with two i think two didn't have one two did not have one three did and this is the one that came with eight mm-hmm. and it, it and you know eight's been out a year and this thing has been on hold for a year yeah so uh and i mean that being said speaking of village um on october 28th so uh by the time you're listening to this uh, you'll be able to get the uh, Winter's uh, expansion for Resident Evil Village, which includes a third-person mode, a new story uh, featuring uh, uh, Ethan's daughter, Rose, and uh, that's a bit of a spoiler, but yeah, not really, um, and and some other stuff, some additions to Mercenaries mode. Uh, I was actually looking at the price of um, the the Gold Edition or the upgrade with the Winter's expansion. The Winter's expansion is only uh it's only about 25 bucks canadian it's actually it's not a bad price in terms of dlc dlc is usually priced uh fairly fairly high i'm trying to i'm trying to pull it up here um but yeah i don't know if you i don't i don't know if you noticed that but that's a i think that's a that's a good value in terms of uh dlc because you're getting a lot you're getting a lot there you're getting an expansion yeah, no it, it- I, I I have the 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 DLC on on a on a wish list everywhere, so I mean I'm probably gonna get it, but I prob I'm not I'm not chomping to go back out and play it again, so I'll probably wait till it goes on sale. Yeah. Uh. So the Winter's expansion is thirty dollars Canadian. Yeah. So uh. And and yeah, it'll likely go on sale. It's twenty dollars US. That's not bad. Yeah. That's that's pretty good. Um. And there is a demo available. That was another thing they announced. There's a demo available for the Gold Edition, which does allow you to play in third-person mode. And uh, before we exit the news, I was <laughs> another fun thing I saw is that the developers have kept up the you can't see Ethan's face. So anytime you move the third-person camera to see Ethan's face, he'll turn away from the camera. If he turns his head. You still can't see his face. <laughs> oh, man. They really ran with that. It makes me wonder if they ever really gave him a face or if it's just an empty slot. Maybe. Yeah. That's, I think they gave him a face. Like, I think modders were able to get into the game and uh, take a look at, at what it, what he looked like. And it was, I think, if you, like, if you look it up, it's like, oh, okay. That's it. Like, it's it's just, it looks like a stock model face. Um, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't really look like anyone to be honest like they just kind of modeled a like that is a dude that is resident evil dude basically um so yeah but yeah you can't see his face uh by by turning the camera so don't don't uh don't think that you're spending 30 dollars to see ethan's face that's not the case um but that was that's the news you know not a whole lot going on uh over the last three weeks uh, but you know what two fun video game stories But you know what? It also gets us closer to this. Good morning, Pontypool. This is Radio 660, The Beacon. Down here in the dungeon, under the street they call drum. I'll be banging the drum for you all morning. I'm Grant Mazzy, and as always, I'll be taking no prisoners. Now, mmm, 
I got my coffee here. And taking a look outside, I'd say that's our top story for today, folks. All right. As you can hear there, we're talking about Pool. We talked about it at the top of the show as well. No surprises. Uh, Pool is a 2008 Canadian horror film directed by Bruce McDonald and written by Tony Burgess. Uh, based on his novel, Pool Changes Everything. So we last discussed this film, as we said, seven years ago, and we got the chance to revisit it thanks to an Extra Life donation. Uh, so we really appreciate that. And uh, Lou and I were talking pre-show. Both of us were uh, really, you know, really happy to return to this film because it is it is really good. Um, yeah, no, uh, I, I, last week... Uh we had discussed what we're going to cover this and I was excited to see it again, but I had also mentioned that I was a little hesitant because, um, you know, I liked it so much. Sometimes I'm afraid to watch a movie again, se- seven or eight years down the road because I'm worried I'm not going to like it as much. And when this started, I forgot how slow the first like 10 minutes are. Like it's not bad. It's a little slow. And I was like, all right, let's see the ramp up. And, and I forgot that it all takes place inside one building and they do so much with one building in like 10 minutes in, I was like, Oh, I forgot how much I like this movie. It is a, it is a great film. So it's based, um, based essentially in, in Pontypool, Ontario, which is a, uh, a small, uh, town in central Ontario. And, um, I, I look, I am guilty of always saying there needs to be more Canadian, uh, zombie content, uh, specifically aimed my, my criticism aimed at, at walking dead. Cause they really focus on America and, and they don't, <laughs> they, they don't venture out of there very often, although they've tried, but, um, I'm trying to think of all the Canadian zombie movies we've covered mm-hmm. on the show. And I know that we covered, um, this before, yep. which is Canadian. And we've covered, uh, uh bloods uh uh uh, uh, uh blood quantum blood, blood quantum which i don't know if we talked about it in the news but the director of that passed away recently unexpectedly yeah i did see that uh, in the news and and it was very it was very heartbreaking to read yeah he had passed away uh quite suddenly and and um he was a celebrated canadian filmmaker and it was it was a very it was is very disappointing to read that cuz honestly i thought that film was that film was another one it was really good and honestly, would be one that I would totally be happy to rewatch because it it was, yeah. it was different, and it was a different, was different take on a genre that has just been done a lot, you know. Um, but yeah. not not to the point where you can't do something different and fun with it. And you know, Pawnee Pool is it's based on a novel. I haven't read the novel, um, but uh, essentially the idea is that there's this virus that does turn people into zombie-like creatures um but it's it's traveling through the like words through the english language um and there's some really interesting and they don't explain it you know it's just it's a thing that happens and it doesn't look like the people are trying to bite you it's they they beat you to beat the crap out of you and talk to you until they infect you yeah there so this this was something I didn't remember from the first watch, but I but I really paid attention to in the second watch through. Uh, is is like there's this weird thing that they kind of lean into, and in that maybe there's like there's something 
there is something that's, that's infecting the brain and it's causing like um it, like uh, there's there's a, a paranormal thing about it where like it's like mimics or like a type of monster that will pretend to be like a like a human in danger and essentially yeah. there's this moment in the film where there's this um there's a it, the guy in the chopper uh, i think his name was kevin i can't remember the guy in the chopper and he's kind of yeah. out and about and he's experiencing um, this event as it's happening around town. Our heroes have kind of barricaded themselves inside a radio station here. But the 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 guy out and about is like he gets up on someone who is infected, and he can he puts the phone or something right up to their mouth, and there's like this weird like baby sound happening. And I mean, uh, yeah, they don't they don't go into it. They don't, um, that's like the only instance of something, um, well, obviously there's a lot of supernatural stuff happening, but that, that is like them really leaning into the supernatural angle of like something is infecting this, the, the, you know, people and causing them to have this like weird, you know, baby like voice as if like something is, is taking over their brain or, or, or their body or what have you. Um, and they don't really they don't really come back to that they 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 walk right up to that idea then they just walk away quickly and and i think it it adds to the mysteriousness of the film which makes it in turn um much creepier and more believable in the sense that it's like it's like oh my god maybe like this is really like kind of scary to think about right like and you're you're kind of helpless um in, in terms of the way this thing is spreading but yeah, I, I kind of wish they had kind of looked at that a bit more. Like they veered away from it pretty quick, but like it, it's not, it doesn't change the fact of what's happening is that people are being infected and, and turning into these ravenous monsters that are trying to, as they say, uh, trying to, they need to kill somebody else. Or it, Again, anytime they try to explain to it, it does kind of fall apart a little bit. Like it, but it kind of fits in the sense that you have people trying to explain what's going on and they don't know what's happening. And that's exactly right. what would happen, right? Like even the BBC cuts to them live and it's like there's quarantine being set up in your town and do you know what's going on? And they're locked in a basement of a church record doing doing a broadcast. They're like, We're being locked in, like we this is like they that we don't know what you're talking about, man. Yeah. And like 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 that I find all of that considering we just all made it through covid this all has a very d- new meaning yeah yeah and um that moment especially was kind of interesting like um they talk about so the the guy from the bbc is calling in and and it's totally small town type stuff where like you wouldn't know what's going on everywhere right away uh because you are very much in a small town and you're focused on small towns like they even like they play it up as like the main character is this radio DJ who's been fired and got hired in this small town. You know, he, he got hired or fired from a big radio job and um, and this is the only job he could find. So he's in the small town and like really like, no, our focus is, you know, school closures, local news, someone lost their cat, um, the weather and local ads. And he's like kind of losing his mind because that this is now <laughs> he's gone from like a big Toronto radio job to to working in a town of uh, a, a few thousand if not less yeah. so he's kind of going a little little crazy um 
but like that that makes sense like i grew up in a small town you know rural canada and that is exactly it like you are worried about what's going on in your town and that is fine uh so when the bbc calls and is like hey we're hearing that like the french canadian army has surrounded uh and and is uh is is blocking you know people exiting Pontypool, can you comment on that? And he, and and he's like, uh, we don't. That's not true. Like, we don't know if that's happening. I'm pretty sure it's not happening. And it kind of alludes to like later on in the film when there's talk that the English language is the infection point. Like, it's not so in speaking French. Um, and that would explain why the French Canadian, like, and I don't know what the French Canadian army is. Like, I'm assuming there is, there is obviously branches of the army that would be, you know, stationed in Quebec and stuff. Um, but I, I found that very, that I guess it made sense, right? Like, you know, the, uh, the, they would bring in French Canadian portions of the army to, uh, you know, speak French. so They don't get infected. Right. So it, it, it's interesting. And it's a bit of foreshadowing, you know, cause that happens near the very start of the film. Right. Yeah. And that's just the start. And they keep the one of the stories is, is there's something going on with a local doctor, like there's lawsuits going on. And they imply that at first that it's like riots outside that doctor's office. And he's he gets all like the radio DJ guy is all excited because he's like, all right, we got some trouble coming. And he keeps wanting to talk about it. And then lo and behold, when you realize that when the doctor eventually shows up at their building, you realize he might not necessarily be a bad guy. They might have been there for a different reason. Yeah. Like it, it might have started out people protesting, but that protest quickly turned into something else. And being a doctor, he stares, he views everything that's going on in a very analytical perspective. Like when 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 the other uh when the assistant in the office at this radio station starts to get infected and she starts talking, he looks at it more as a I'm fascinated. Let's see how this plays out. And and you kind of can't help but like him, even though what he's saying is very kind of mean, because they're infected. You really don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, he's very he like he's he, so that doctor shows up later in the film. Very it, like there's the film has its comedic moments. And there's this moment where this doctor is mentioned at the start. And you think, oh, the doctor's never going to come into play. And then he just crawls in through. um a basement window like it's some sort of cameo on a on a kids canadian television show like look it's it's the visitor it's it's dr so-and-so from down the street and he's come to visit he's come down the the silly uh window over here and and he just crawls in because he's and he says like oh, i've been i finally escaped and i've just been crawling on my hands and knees because there's a snowstorm going on all at the same time because of course it's canada why wouldn't there be a snowstorm um and he comes in and he starts talking and, and he he basically goes into the sound booth because we realize like the um, one of the characters has been has been infected. And and the way the infection kind of starts is like they start repeating certain phrases and they kind of lose themselves in that in that word. And if yeah. no one's there to kind of like distract them and they keep going, they can fall deeper and deeper into this word. And there's this really creepy moment where the the radio tech hears the the tea um the kettle going and she starts making the sound too and then you realize like oh crap she's she's gone you know yeah uh super creepy uh when when she's recreating that sound (laughs) and 
I uh, also don't didn't remember how creepy her face gets as she beats herself against the glass. I just remember it being a little bloody. But watching it this time, I'm like, wow, her face is really mangled. Like she almost looks like like a deformed smile covered in blood on her face. And I'm like, that's way more unsettling than I remember it being. Yeah. And again, like, you know, when you think about it, a lot of the violence that in this film is is taking place off camera. It's described. You're hearing it. And we do have some clips of like um, the way the, the the show is kind of played out because it's like it's it's very much it takes place in the radio station and everything else happening outside the radio station. We experience it through these radio interviews and other characters explaining what, what it's like, or what what is happening out in the world. And, and you're right, Lou, like really in terms of, you know, what we come to expect from a zombie film in terms of gore and and um, and you know zombie makeup there's really only one character it's it's the radio tech um i forget her name i should look it up i'm terrible with names uh what's now i don't now i can't find it what uh laurel laurel ann i think is her name um yeah yeah and the technical sydney assistant is, and sydney is the um is the producer yeah and then you have grant who's the main character uh played by uh steven mc mchattie so yeah yeah, like there's not a lot of on-screen zombie type stuff, although you do get to a point where you are seeing like a mob and some zombies walking through the main building and stuff. So you do get that, but it, it really just looks like, um, you know, folks that have, you know, gotten a bit battered and, and they're kind of like consistently talking, just repeating a phrase, you know, and, and there's this creepiness where they are like, you know, they are being infected in the radio station and kind of, you can see, I think Grant gets infected a little bit there and, and some, and they walk them back a bit. So they pull them back from that brink. And, um, there's this moment where they're going to the door. It's like, we just have to go outside. We got to see what's going on. And they hear the mob. And then the mob is like repeating their dialogue on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. Their argument. And it's just, it's so creepy. And then you feel like they capture like the actors in this have captured. So again, there's like three or four main characters on screen and the whole movie, the whole movie. And there's some, some guests that pop in and whatnot, but those three or four characters, their acting really captures this like creepiness of what's going on. The unknown, they have no idea what's going on and they just, they nail it. It is so well done. Um, it's a great movie. <laughs> And honestly, if you've watched it before, go back to it. Watch it again. It's totally worth the revisit. It's 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 not a long hour and 40 minute movie. It, it is uh it is so well done and it's so creative. Um and uh yeah. But yeah, uh uh you just before we get to some clips, um it's important to note, so since we last covered the film, uh there's a spin-off called Dreamland, which pulls from the very ending of the film where there's this weird post credit scene um, that feels disconnected from the film. Uh, but I guess they, they took that and they did a spinoff that came out in 2019. Um, as of 2022, there is a direct sequel they're working on and that one's called, uh, it's going to be called Pool Changes. So uh, a direct sequel with uh, Stephen McCaddy and um, as Lou said, his real life, uh, wife uh, Lisa uh, Hool, who 
who plays Sydney. I said that to you. I said that to you in a uh, in a text. We haven't talked about that as much. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, so um, that'll be interesting. I will, we will watch that day one. Uh, honestly, yeah. whenever it comes. Yeah, uh, when I if there's a sequel to this movie, I'm gonna find it somewhere, some way, shape, or form to watch it. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I mean, and this is this is the unfortunate part is that the sequel has been in development for the last 13 years. They've been trying to work on it, but the spinoff did get made, and it's it's by the same director, and it stars uh, Stephen McCaddy and uh, I think Lisa Hool as well. So, you know, they're in there, and uh, yeah, they made another one. Uh, and we haven't watched it. It's not really a zombie film. It's I think it's a vampire film is what they they kind of play off that. Um, but anyways, I, I do have some clips which will likely uh, inspire some more uh, discussion. So here we go. This one's called uh, Herd. And again, like this is when you watch it, you might think like oh, it's, it's like zombie adjacent. But they, they use a lot of the same tropes and terms that you hear from other yeah. zombie films. So uh, here's the first one where they mention the word uh, herd. Now we are also hearing about a herd. Well, that's how it's being described, a herd of people. So again, like they are, they're using the zombie terminology. We hear a lot in The Walking Dead, like herds of of zombies and stuff. And uh, these clips will give you a really good idea of how the movie is set up where you have Grant in the booth talking to the text, talking to the public. And his voice is just so good. If he hadn't been an actor, I can picture him being a radio DJ somewhere. Yeah, that's probably why they hired him, because he's just he's got such a great radio voice. <laughs> it's yeah. believable that he would be, you know, a radio, uh, a radio guy. So, um yeah. And and there's there is some weirdness in the audio levels. So I'll mention this that, you know, obviously Grant's voice is very prominent because he's in the booth. He's right up on the mic. And then everybody else is kind of coming in through studio mics and uh, call ins and stuff. This is another one of those where you can kind of hear it with uh, when the BBC calls in. We are talking to Grant Marzi, the news radio anchor from Pontypool, Ontario in Canada, who broke this story. Mr. Marzi, are you there? Yes, Nigel. Hi. <laughs> I forgot I, I kept that in. Yeah, she because she just drops that on him, and he's like, "Oh, wait, what?" Yeah, because they like they talk about the story. Uh, Grant is bored out of his mind, and um, the radio tech is like kind of feeding into his his boredom by like, "Oh, there's this there's this radio chatter, but there's nothing on the wire, so the story hasn't come through to the media. It's just the police are responding to, I think, a." Uh, a hostage situation and um and then they talk about uh they talk about the the protest and stuff and i and like out of nowhere the bbc is like connecting to this small radio station in pontypool <laughs> and and he's just like uh oh wow okay so i got what i wanted we're we're this is gonna be a big day um yeah it's kind of one of those examples of be careful what you wish for i suppose uh because yeah he did not want to talk about the lost cat he wanted to talk about um well, something a little more exciting. So, uh, and and again, like speaking of zombies, we do get uh, some more descriptions of like the typical zombie behavior here from our, uh, our our man in the chopper. Look out! Oh God! They're they're pulling two people out of a van. Who are they, Ken? Who are they? There's a bunch of them. They're they're 
So his name's Ken, not Kevin. I was close, but but not really. Um, so yeah, like you know, talking about the behavior of the of the people who have been infected and how they're like they're trying to you know basically tear people apart, you know, and and that is how they've been infected and how it's just it's it's really weird. Like again, it's unsettling because they don't get into it. It's all secondhand information. You don't even see it uh, on screen when the tech uh, changes. Like she doesn't, she doesn't find a victim. She kind of like, she, as you said, Lou, she bangs her head against the uh, against the studio glass, and then she kind of vomits up a bunch of blood and then dies. You know, and the doctor's kind of, you know, has a hypothesis of like, oh, this is what happens when they can't find a victim. You know, uh, they just kind of like die. You know in this very vicious, violent way. It's probably yeah. the, the, the goriest part of the film when, when she dies, right? Like it's, that's really it. There's like one yeah, shot. There of really it. isn't a whole lot of blood the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, the, even when the, the kid surprises them halfway through the movie, the, the kid that's supposed to have left, that was infected, which makes you wonder how that kid got back inside. I don't um, think they ever left, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, yeah, no, uh, that, that, that's kind of the thing that kid's been sitting there for a while. And, um, when the kid jumps them and they kill, they don't show you the kid die. They just show them stomping something on the floor. You never see that there's act the, the, the body of the kid. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they do most of that stuff. You know, it's all off camera and it's all done to like, I think really heighten, you know, the, the acting of the other characters in terms well, of like sometimes showing... with situations like that, your imagination is worse than the, than what they could show you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a point in the film where, uh, the radio station is kind of taken over by an emergency broadcast and it comes in, in French. And, uh, this is the moment where they, they kind of translate that message and, <laughs> and speaking specifically to like the English language and how it's infected. For greater safety, please avoid the English language. Please do not translate this message. <laughs> so, yeah, they translated the message. They broadcast it on the radio. And, um, yeah, I thought that was such a great moment where he, where he says that please don't translate this message. And it's like, well, too late. Um, He's like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a really it's a really interesting beat. I mean, it takes us right into when the, we talked a lot about the doctor and I got a, like a lot of these clips are just like, they are basically going through the film, but it's like, it just goes into showing how, how well it was written in terms of like, we have these four characters that are going to show up and have more than a couple lines. And we need to make sure like it's written so well so that it supports the fact that there's not, there's not a lot of distraction going on. You are watching these four characters interact with each other for an hour and a half. Uh, so this is where the, the doctor's kind of explaining and going through in his mind of what's going on. And, and it gives a very good encapsulation of like the theory of what's going on. It's viral. That much is clear, but, uh, not of the blood, not blood, not in the air, not on or even in our bodies. It is here. Where? 
is in words. Not all words, not all speaking, but in some. Some words are infected. And it spreads out when the contaminated word is spoken. It may be a god bug. Okay, Dr. Mendez, look, I don't even believe in UFOs, so I, I'm, I gotta stop you there with that god bug thing. Oh, really? Well, you know, that's very sensible because UFOs don't exist. That's <laughs> okay. I kept that last bit in as a bonus. Um, but, you know, it gives a really good rundown of, like, what's happening. Like, it, it may explain what's happening, but it doesn't go into detail of why or how. Like, And, again, it goes back to that original idea from The Walking Dead and, and other zombie films and other horror films of, like, if you try to explain too much of what's going on, you lose the scary portion of it, right? Like the mystery is what makes it scary. And if they explained in The Walking Dead, like, oh, the virus came from a crashed satellite that got infected. Like, well, suddenly it kind of ruins the whole idea. And I think that's where Kirkland has had, it has definitely latched onto the right idea with, with his Walking Dead is like, no, we don't need to know why or how this happened. We just get to experience and tell the story within this, within this world you know, and, and they, they lean into that throughout the film here. It's, it, there's a lot of mystery. There's, it's never, yeah, you don't know where, you don't know where it came from. The, towards the end, you kind of get an idea of how they can cure themselves. Yeah. Um, and that there might be a way to figure it out, but you don't know what actually is causing it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, before they get to like the fix, uh, and this is very Canadian. Like if you talk to a lot of folks, especially here in Ontario, where uh, you, you take French, it's mandatory French um, in Ontario, right through to grade nine, you have like one, you have a class where they're teaching you French. So you pick up a lot of the basics and there's a moment where they finally realize like, okay, the English language is infected. We have to speak French. And there's this bit where they're both like trying to, you know, figure out how much French each, each of them has. And, and they have enough to go for about 10 minutes of, of scenes and, and they do let it go. But there's, it led to some really interesting moments like this. <laughs> I mean, I think Doctor Who did a little better, but uh, uh-huh. still not too bad. Um, and you can hear the doctor in the background. I guess he was speaking... Armenian once once he realized he was infected and in, in order to combat that transition he stopped speaking English because he knew as he was speaking English he was he was honestly turning. one of the things I would love to see is he goes out through the the window and starts shouting yeah uh the, the line and gets the crowd to follow him instead right yeah and once that happens I really would love like a little short movie showing his little adventure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like our two main characters are thinking like, Oh, he's gone crazy. Cause he kind of follows them into the, uh, into the, I don't know if it's like a storage closet, but he follows them yeah. in as they barricade themselves in. And you're kind of thinking like, Oh, they let, they let the infected guy in, but no, he doesn't last long. He just, he basically likes, he doesn't even say anything. He just crawls out of a window. Cause he knows if he starts speaking English to them, cause they don't speak Armenian. Um, he's just gonna, he's going to infect them. So he just, he basically runs, he, he gets out of there, but then he, and then they realize like, Oh, he's saving us. Um, and I thought that was, a that was a really good moment. Uh, 
there's a there's a couple things here where uh you know they figure so they figure out the way they figure out to kind of combat it is like to confuse capture what the you know the uh the word is the whatever it is the word that you're locked onto yeah. and change its meaning exactly so they so uh, sydney starts to get infected and grants like okay you know kills your word so kill is kiss and you know they go into that whole um, back and forth of kills, kiss, kills, kiss, and then they walk her back basically. And essentially, like as you said, it it starts with the idea of like, well, how do we make a word lose meaning? Well, we repeat it constantly, 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 and it loses all meaning. And the fastest way to get there is just to basically like disconnect the word from what it make is. it mean something different. Exactly. So um, Grant has this epiphany. He says this: Sid, we're gonna save the fucking world right now. How you feeling? And then they get in the radio booth and they just start broadcasting stuff. And they have a whole bit where they're like trying to figure out like, how do they, how do they, you know, get these words out there and start to, you know, trick people into not being infected. And, and it leads to some, some very fun dialogue. Okay. Christ, like everybody's a crick. Help me out here. Cling. Cling. Intake. Trespass. Sniper. Swimming. Um, tomorrow. Fidelity. Monologue. Savage. Sausage. Ah, uh, tomorrow. Money. Ceiling. Uh, I don't, Greg, rhinoceros. Laughter. <laughs> I, I, again, like the movie is ending at this point. Um, there is, uh, there's French, uh, chatter over, not, not over the radio, but happening. You can hear it from a helicopter and you can hear the helicopter and there's like bombs being dropped. The building is being, you know, attacked. So, you know, the, the movie's ending and they're and and like a lot of like a big zombie trope, like, well, how do we fix this from taking over the world? Well, of course, we're just going to blow it into the into the ground. Right. Um, and this movie picks that trope up as well of like, how do we end this movie? It does. But one of the things that uh, some it's subtle, so some people don't always catch it is you know, they imply that our two heroes here at the end who seem to have found a way to break the cycle, it's implied that uh, it's implied that they're dead because they bombed the church because they thought that they were spreading the infection via the radio, which they may have been in the beginning. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they don't. It, it's like they didn't realize that he was actually figured out how to combat it without killing people. And they blow up the church anyway is the implication. And um, and the radio guy who does one of the last lines of dialogue says in Pontypool. And then he goes, Pontypool, 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 Pontypool. And it's, you know, they thought they contained it, but it might be spreading. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's talk of the sequel. Um, like, I guess the book gets into a little bit more of like combating the virus and like how, how you stop it. And, um, there, I, again, I haven't read the novel, but I was, I was just looking at the Wikipedia article for it. I I don't know. Like, it sounds like, like, it sounds like a really interesting novel, but it does sound like the novel gets into a bit more of like, how do you contain a virus that's spread through a specific language and words? And, um, Maybe the so the, it sounds like the second movie is going to deal with um and and feature returning characters or the two main characters that supposedly died at the end of this are coming back. 
but it's going to deal with the written word and how maybe the written word is is going to also spread the infection. Like kind of when a disease or an infection or a virus, you know, mutates, uh, it, it, like if it's if it's infected the spoken word and the idea is like, well, and you see this in the film where they start, you know, writing out words, it, it'd be interesting to see how they take that idea of like a world that is dealt with you know, this virus spread through uh, spoken word and and then now it's going to start, you know, being transmitted through through written word as well. It, it sounds like an interesting setup and a, and a really, you know, like a like a good sequel idea. Right. So hopefully we get that. And and as Lou said, the credits have like a a, a very again, another zombie trope of like the, over the credits, you're seeing like the world continue to fall into into disarray and fall apart and uh, like I said, so this movie takes place, it's actually filmed in Toronto, but it takes place, uh, it's set in Pontypool, which is like not far from where I am. Um, I actually went for a drive almost a year ago and I was driving and I looked, uh, you know, I was, I was with the kids and I'm driving and I look out the, the window and I see the sign and it's the sign for Pontypool. And it's like, <laughs> it's a community sign for this, for this town. And I'm like, holy crap, like this, like I knew it was close, but like it's, it's in my backyard. And, um, in the credits, there is a specific, and throughout the film, there's a lot of like stuff that I would recognize, but a lot of folks around the world wouldn't like talking about highways and towns and cities. There's like a mention of a, of a hospital at the very beginning of the film. And it's like Camelford hospital. It's like, oh man, I know where that is. It's not far. Um, in the credits, there's a specific station from Peterborough. Uh, and we get we get this clip. As of 10 a.m. this morning, OPP reports an alarming number of community crimes, vandalism, looting, and numerous assaults widespread across Peterborough. We believe that this is related to the Pontypool incident, but want to assure the public that what is happening there is not happening here. <laughs> so I thought that was really, I missed that the first time around, uh, that specific mention. Um, and I mean, it makes sense, right? Because like, again, we're, in terms of zombie films, we're a half hour from that event. So of yeah. course, like eventually it would slowly spread here, but I love like that typical, you know, uh, Hey, uh, yeah, I, I, I listened specifically. And when I heard Peterborough, I was like, Oh wow, this really is close to Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was interesting. Like, and the way the radio station is like, Hey, you know, police are saying it's related, but w- what's happening there is not happening here. You know? And it's like, ah, <laughs> it sounds like it is. Too late. Yeah, too late. Uh, and and of course, the, the film ends, as Lou said, with uh, our BBC friend coming back and, and him being infected as well. And his infection word is is Pool. So again, awesome film. So good to revisit. And again, uh, very Canadian, like super Canadian, but not to the point where I think, and I mean, Lou, this is more of a question for you, but not to the point where I think it like it changes the movie in a way where it's like, oh, this this was made specifically for bands of Canadians. No, not at all. Not at all. I can I can honestly say uh, we watch a lot of Canadian TV in this house. My wife has a thing for several Canadian TV shows. Yeah. Don't ask me why. <laughs> there's um, not many, but there's some good there's some good uh, ones. There are some good ones. Um, but no. Um, so I've watched my fair share of Canadian shows and this definitely, while it does feel Canadian, this feels like it could be anywhere. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah. They're just mentioning Canadian places, but this could just as easily have been some kind of t- 
town. This could have taken place in Florida. It could have taken place in Mexico City. You know, like there's there's plenty of places where they could have done this same story, and it kind of carries anywhere. The story, this, just the fact that it's small town Canada doesn't mean it can't be done in small town Maine or small town uh, upstate New York somewhere. Like it would, it kind of would work anywhere. Yeah, yeah, and it's just, and again, like I, they nail, um, they nail that like that location, you know, and and oftentimes you hear you watch a film it's like, Oh man, that was so cool that they said it there. And like, it feels really believable. Then you have someone who lives there. It's like, yeah, no, they, they messed up a lot. And, um, here I think like as someone who's familiar with the area, like they kind of nailed it, you know, they mentioned the 401 highway series, uh, Ontario provincial police, uh, the OPP, you know, uh, surrounding areas like with Camelford and Peterborough and stuff. It's just, it's really well done. And it, and it makes it feel real. And it is like in the sense, like it is, uh, it is really well done in terms of capturing the location. So, um, I have not been to in, I've not been into Pontypool. As I said, I've, I've seen, I've seen the sign cause I drive by it. Now, now you want to, don't you? I kind of do. I kind of want to go. I mean, obviously this is, um, so first of all, the film, as I said, was, was filmed in, in Toronto, but, doesn't really show any Pontypool locations. They, they are really in a building. You don't see outside that building. Right. The only scene outside of the outside of the building is the scene of him driving into work, yeah. which is just at an intersection. And that lady coming up to his car, it's still very creepy. Yeah. And you don't know any, you don't know what's going on there. They're like, oh, is, is she obviously she was infected, but in the moment it's like is it it sounded like a lady that just needed help, you know? And uh Right. She, whatever it is she says, the implication is always that he's been infected. Ah. Uh, but, and that maybe he's helping spread it over the radio. That's always been my implication. But because he doesn't repeat words and he doesn't kind of snap, it's hard for me to believe that he was truly infected. Maybe he was just the carrier. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like he... Yeah, that's a good point. I never really thought about that. But yeah, he talks to someone who's infected. And and I mean, he also has the window. So like he, he by the time he rolls down the window to, to talk to the lady, she's gone. So and, um, and he constantly says the whole conversation. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, it's he is so good in this. And I, I went to see what else he's been in. And uh, the thing he's that jumped out of me, stuff. he is. Um, but he was in 300. He plays one of the characters yep. in 300. I, I did not know he's that. One of, I think he's one of the senators, I think. Yes, he is. You're right. Um, yep. So anyways, uh, a lot of fun revisiting Pontypool. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed this journey. And if you listened to the original episode seven years ago, and and uh, obviously I don't think we, we we didn't talk about it this long. We didn't have clips. So like this is this is a new experience for everyone. But um, hopefully you enjoyed that. And uh yeah, if you want us to revisit other films that we've talked about in the past, bit.ly slash Extra Life Ryan, you can donate like Adam did. 25 bucks for one zombie film suggestion, $50 for three zombie film suggestions, and we'll get them in the queue. We'll start talking about them. All in support of Sick Kids Foundation out of Toronto. Um, but coming up on Zamp, we've got uh, plans to return to The Walking Dead as season 11 wraps up with part three. That'll be done, uh, I think, the end of November. It's supposed to wrap up. And that's like The Walking Dead done, you know, um, well, Walking Dead Prime. So uh, 
We'll try to cover that like as soon as it ends, because I feel like that's going to end in a way that's like that's going to be a, a good discussion piece. I feel like we probably won't want to let that one sitting. Um, it's good. It's got to set up a lot of spinoffs and it's it's likely got to bring back some past characters. Uh, so, yeah. Um, plus, of course, we'll continue our actually suggested um, uh, zombie movies uh, discussions which will include uh, Orion's Choice, which is looking to be Peninsula. So look forward to that. Um, and if you want to find more ZAMP, you can join our Discord, bit.ly slash ZAMP Discord. want to thank all of our patrons at patreon.com slash zombies ate my podcast. We are looking at revamping that. We had a bit of a crazy September. Uh, Lou and I will look at that before the end of the year for sure. But uh, you can still go to patreon.com slash zombies ate my podcast and support the show directly. Uh, you can visit our website, zombiesatemypodcast.com. You'll find links to all of the different stuff that you need, like our email, our Facebook, also our Twitter. And uh, while you're on Twitter, you can follow me at R. Murphy and Lou at Busy Zombie Lord. And finally, a quick shout out to Joel Duggan for the artwork. You can find more of his work at joelduggan.com. Lou, before we exit... The radio booth. Do you have any fine, busy zombie lord knowledge for our listeners? We should probably stop talking. We're spreading the virus. Yes, but... Sid, we're going to save the fucking world. Right now. How you feeling? Yeah. Although we could just we could just start speaking in French. How, uh, how good is your French, Lou? Oh, it's awful. <laughs>